Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest in the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today is a very special episode. We're announcing Mayank Botniger as an upcoming author in one of our upcoming Mission Matters book releases. So Mayank is the Director of Business and Technology Strategy over at Accenture. Mayank, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, thrilled to have you on the show. Been waiting a long time for this and excited to get your book out and launched. And for everybody that's watching this, we're going to cover the book a little bit today, but we're not going to go too far because we will be bringing Mayank back onto the show when the book is actually live um, so that we can do a real big deep dive into his writing and uh, and really just explore that as well. So, um, But to get us kicked off, we'll start this episode the way that we start them all with our Mission Matters Minute. So my young, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's our mission. My young, what mission matters to you? Thanks, Adam. That's a really good question. For me, the you know, I focus on tech innovation and bringing new customer experiences to life in my job. And uh, personally, uh, you know, that is something that has mattered to me since I got into the professional work. And personally, while talking to you and the audience here, I'd love to share my journey from the past two decades within the work in mobile and wireless that I've been doing. And frankly, we've been fortunate living in these times where our lives have transformed so much in the last, just in the last two decades, uh, you know, um, for the good, hopefully. And we have seen some biggest wireless transformation that we'll talk about moving forward, but that has been my mission. It's awesome. Love bringing mission-based uh, individuals on the line to share, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and, you know, why they're doing it as well. What can we all learn and how can we grow from that information? So great to have you on. And I guess just to get us kicked off, so you mentioned, you know, multiple decades in the wireless uh, in the wireless industry. I guess, where did this fascination go with, with just technology in general? Like, were you, were you born out of the crib, like taking the batteries out of the remote control? Like, like, like where, did, where did it come from for you? Look, uh, you know, I started as an electrical engineer as my as my basis uh, in building circuits when I started my career. And uh, I'm talking late 90s. And in and, and that time, I got my first opportunity to work with a company called Nokia, which mm-hmm. was supposed to be one of the best wireless companies at that time. Wow. And uh, they wanted us to build a wireless browser in the phone. And in, at that time, the phones, uh, the screen was one inch by one inch. And we were thinking, why do we need a browser on a phone? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so for all of our, for, I don't want to pass that one. So, so for all of our younger audience that can't imagine this with your big old iPhones and Samsungs, can you imagine a one inch by one inch? And I, I heard that right, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Some even smaller actually, but, but yeah, so that was my first take into the wireless industry. And then I was very fascinated by getting connectivity on the device because when I saw, bought my first mobile phone, um, there was no connectivity. All I could do is phone calls in the late 90s. And and wow. uh, I was with a company that built browsers for Nokia. And then we not only we built the browser for Nokia, we also built a lot of applications and a lot of websites for that browser. So that was my first foray into this industry. And we had no idea about the potential of wireless browsing on a cell phone in late 90s. And today it's a norm. You know, kids yeah. are born with those browsers on beautiful touchscreen devices, but not 22 years ago. Yeah. And so, I mean, taking yourself back to those early days, like just thinking about it, um, obviously you, what you were doing was pretty groundbreaking. 
like even with Nokia, if you think about the time and just the thought process and people using it as a tool, like what was interesting to you about the environment back then? If, if I can keep you back there a little bit longer, like was there this idea that something bigger was on the horizon? Like how, how did that look back then? It looked uh, pretty widespread. Um, when we got into this industry, um, there were very few wireless devices and uh, mm. there were other companies like Palm and Windows and Microsoft. They were making Palm Pilots and Pocket PCs. They were trying to create compute devices um, which were smaller and people could move around with them. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, our computers were big. We didn't have many laptops. So what we used to travel with is um, basically a very heavy machine if we are traveling. And then we were all looking for smaller gadgets to travel with. So we thought there was a market to carry small devices, but there was not enough compute power from those devices. Uh, the, all we could do is basic browsing. So what intrigued me at that time was connectivity. It was basic connectivity that was not available on those devices, which is internet we call today. And we were just getting there where we were getting smaller dial-up modems connecting to those little devices and getting 10 to 50 kilobits per second kind of speeds. And you know, if you see Yahoo or Google on it, that was a home run already. Oh, so, yeah. so we thought it has a good future as long as we grow on that connectivity. And now we call it hyper-connectivity after 20-something years. But uh, you know, with time, I'll go, I'll go into deeper how we got from base connectivity into hyper-connectivity. Yeah. That's what intrigued us at that point. So I was trying to make an analogy or metaphor on this of like what connectivity means. I'm going to butcher it. And then I want you to pick up from it and add some color and some flavor with your expertise. So I was trying to think about this. So the old school Nokia phones and things like that, because I had one pretty early on. Like I still remember my my plan back in the day, $49.99 for the Freedom America plan, um, 500 minutes per month. I still remember that phone and it was a great phone. So that was probably, I mean, early 2000s or maybe it was late night. Actually, probably late 90s actually um but that yeah it was um but that being said uh, when i think connectivity i think like you're, you're driving around or something you can't like your phone doesn't have reception or you're trying to get you know make a call or do something else and you can't quite get through um is that like explain to us connectivity and like why the importance of that like matters absolutely and and you rightly said you know early 2000s uh, late 90s we had those phones and which had base connectivity what i mean by that is all you could do is basic browsing and maybe call some people. You had 500 minutes because calling on voice used to be very expensive. So when we moved up from connectivity channel from that point, we used to call that network a 2G network and then we became 3G, then we went to 4G. So the way I like to see it is as currencies, every network gave us a new currency. Mm. When we bought those phones in 2G, we bought voice for limited minutes and limited browsing. Mm. We went to 3G, we became better at browsing, but we became really better at having emails on the phone. Then mm. came Blackberries of the world and bigger devices that you can send emails with, which was a game changer in those times, right? And, and then we moved over to 4G. Uh, then we did faster browsing. We, we brought gaming and video and TV and social, all of that to the device. So mm. at that point, we got connectivity to a level where people were basically browsing more than they were talking. At that mm -hmm. point, our voice plans became unlimited. Our texting became unlimited at no cost. But then our, our cost became the data that we use on the device. So that's mm -hmm. when you would see wireless carriers charging us for more data and no charge for voice and text. So we had every seven to 10 years, we had this progression of getting better and better in connectivity. 
And that's where we see the market. And now we are already investing in 5G, which is even a faster network. And, you know, we are thinking about autonomous cars. We're thinking about drones. We're thinking about business transformations, having private networks that will supercharge your offices with one gig download speeds. Um, It opens up brand new sets of use cases. And that's what we're working on, Adam, today, that what, what will this new connectivity model get you as a customer, as a business owner, as an enterprise? Yeah, it really does. And it's exciting to me. Like when I see the progress, when I see it's just what's just happened in our lifetime so far in this like short little period of 20 years, like I'm excited to see what goes next. But that being said, I have to share something very personal with you, my young. I was a BlackBerry holdout. I like how the buttons pushed and I was like, I'm not getting one of these phones with no buttons. Like I was a holdout, man. I loved my BlackBerry. Had to share that with you. I I had it too. I had a couple of models of BlackBerry. I love the device. Uh, Oh, my first iPhone was a gift, and um, and Matt gave it to me. One of our our our, our director of agency, and he says, Adam, you have to have an iPhone. You have to change it. You can't have your buttons anymore. Here you go. (laughs) They gave it to me as a Christmas present and his family. Like they forced me off of my BlackBerry. I'm like, fine, I'll do it. I digress. All right. (laughs) So my young, I do want to spend before we kind of go further here, and I do want to talk about your work at Accenture, of course, and and a little bit further. We'll get into that as well, but. Um, I'd like to pause for a moment here and just spend a moment or two talking about the upcoming book. So as I mentioned in the beginning of this interview, we won't, we're not going to give it all away because we're, we'll be bringing you back on the show to uh, do a deep dive into your writing. But give us a flavor for some of the things that you plan on presenting in the upcoming release. Absolutely. I'll be very honest. In the upcoming book, we'll be discussing about newer innovations that we are looking and we are working on for the next couple of decades. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking transformational changes, some base transformation changes we think that will change the industry forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we see the last 100 years of innovation that has happened, mm-hmm. um, compared to the last 20 years of innovation that has happened, I'll give you two examples, simple examples, and there are many of those which are in the book. But two of those examples, the first example I would like to give everybody is how we work with satellites in the past. It's been 100 years. Uh, we've been to the moon. We've been to, you know, we've done a lot of satellite launches. And in the last 20 years, we have connected satellites to cell phone. And people are able to communicate via satellite using their regular cell phones and not using satellite phone. That's a huge transformation. And the other one is basically autonomous cars. I mean, think about it, right? We've been having these cars for 100 plus years with the same exact similar type of engines and similar types of working driving models. And now we are talking autonomy. We are talking wireless networks covering autonomy of cars, which means they can be driven without drivers. Um, That's a big change. In the last 20 years, we have done a lot of progress on that. Accenture has done a lot of work in that, which I'll cover in the book. And we work with almost every provider in North America that can enable. And again, when I say autonomous cars, and when I say Satellite is not just one company or two companies. It's mm-hmm. cities. It's infrastructure. It's your devices. It's your homes. It's mm-hmm. your, you know, it's all the things that you buy within that community that will collaborate and make that happen. Just the car itself will not make it happen. The yeah. car, you know, work with the infrastructure around it. So we are in the business of building that, like I said, hyper connectivity, so that mm-hmm. all devices interact with each other, and you know, and and that'll be a different way of living. 
Um, so those are a few examples I, 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 you know, I thought I'd sprinkle in and you'll see more of them. In the yeah. I, and, I, and I'll cut you off there because I'm excited and I can't wait to dive into more of the content. That's all we want. We want to give the audience a little bit of a taste because why? Well, we want to bring you back. But uh, but we also sell books. So don't worry. We'll be uh, we'll be doing that as well. I want to uh, jump around here a bit and tell us a little bit more about Accenture and the work you're doing. Absolutely. So I focus on the, the communications and telco industry within Accenture and uh, our typical strategy projects span across anything that wireless telecommunication providers touch. Yeah. And um, as of now, we used to think about wireless providers as providing a cell phone service. But uh, at this point, wireless providers are providing almost any service you can imagine. So we think about, uh, when we think about cable internet uh, that used to be connected fiber to your home or DSL to your home, uh, we are seeing wireless companies like T-Mobile and Verizon giving you wireless internet, which means you can buy a fixed wireless connection from these companies and do not have to have a wired connection to your home, which means when you travel out, you can carry it with you. So that we call fixed wireless Wi-Fi, which is interesting to you, right? Because you can carry it in your car, yeah. work everywhere. So those are things, those are some simple things that we do with carriers. We also work in automating your devices automating your homes, automating your businesses, uh, saving energy, saving money, things of that nature. We call it smart home. Some people call it intelligent home. Those are a few examples I can give you. The other one we are working very closely on is the metaverse. We are very excited about this new virtual augmented reality world that we are building, which is the next level of internet on Web3 and, and uh, crypto and all the, all the new jargon that you might have heard. Uh, so that is something that we're working on as a future enabler. So there's just a few examples I'll give you that Accenture is working on really, really deeper. And the metaverse part of things, like you're doing some big work there. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, like you've introduced quite a few people to the metaverse. Is that my off on that? No, you're absolutely right. I think uh, we just did a press release a few days ago. We onboarded 150,000 of our employees on the metaverse. And uh, it was um, it was funny because we hired those people in the company and we were our offices were closed because of COVID. We could not get anybody to the office. So we built this onboarding application in the metaverse. And wow. everybody who joined the company actually got onboarded on the metaverse. So think about HR, think about training, think about ethics and compliance policies. Yeah. We went through all those things with, with our with our colleagues within the metaverse. And that was the biggest I think in our industry, we were one of the biggest um, mm -hmm. metaverse, uh, you know, uh, deployers, as we're saying, you know, um, that a proponent of it. And we are, we are working really hard on it as we yeah. speak. What kind of, so, I mean, you have a unique vantage point, not just because of your background, but also just for, you know, where you sit working with Accenture and, um, and otherwise where you started, like what trend interests you right now? Or what, what's going on in your industry that you're like, ah, oh, I know a lot of things are going on by the way, but what really gets you excited right now? So the trends are, um, yeah, I think, uh, the convergence and divergence. So going back to the, the second decade before today, right. When we had all these devices, uh, the reason your friend gifted you the iPhone and you 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 probably still use it is because what does it do for you? It it uh, we used to have fax machines, we used to have scanners, we used to have cameras, we used to have a lot of those devices, and now we have just an iPhone. It actually converged; all those devices converged into a single piece of device, and then that's the value, and that's a trend we saw. And people loved from BlackBerry. We went to touchscreens, and it it gave us so much value. Now we are seeing a divergence again. Now we are seeing 
people uh, trying to buy other devices in addition to that one single smartphone, which could be a smartwatch, it could be a smart ring, it could be a health meter, it could be a sleep tracker, it could be a dog monitor, you know, pet tracker, things like that. So we are again seeing a divergence in the industry where people are looking for these sophisticated low power devices that can change their ways and habits of daily routine. So we are seeing that convergence and divergence happening right now. And our challenge is to bring that ecosystem together. And if we give you that ecosystem, how will you sustain it? So those are the trends that we are, we are looking at. And what I see about everything that you mentioned just in general is that um, it improves the quality of living and it improves the quality of life. Like I still go back to like thinking about my old, oh, my first phone, right? I remember my parents getting it for me or me having it. And I, you know, I was pretty young and it's just, if there was an emergency, like if there's an emergency, we want you to be able to call us. We want you to be able to like, you know, we want to be able to pick up. And I remember like, those were some of the ways that this started was just on that basic level. But then over time, obviously, you know, you incorporate the technology change. And I feel like it's just really added to our all of our quality of living in many ways. Um, so now when you're talking about these devices and wearing a device and all of this, like, especially some of the things that's being done on the health side of things, as you mentioned, like, I know there's wearable de- devices now that, that are because of connectivity and because the way they work, like literally saving people's lives, like literally, like whether it's monitoring, or whether it's, you know, first response or whatever it is, but a lot of different ways in that market. But we have really not the ability now to just improve lives, but to save lives too. Absolutely. You see how Apple Watch uh, and other watch providers treat that 911 call that you don't have to dial it if there's an emergency, that watch dialed it for you. If you're lost in, in the woods and you don't have connection, the satellite connection may help you. So wow. I think those are things that are coming and these are becoming interestingly important few years ago, they were important too. It's just that it was not affordable. At this yeah. time, we are making it affordable and wireless carriers are doing all it takes. And at Accenture, we are making that ecosystem happen with all of our providers. We work with healthcare companies to be to make sure that we are HIPAA compliant in all the offers, uh, offering we have for healthcare. We work with financial companies so that we are, you know, FINRA compliance and all the others uh, mm-hmm. to, to make those kind of products. And we work with all the wireless companies to make it happen. So that's our value in in the industry generally. Another thing that interests me about your background and just, again, your vantage point is, you know, you've gone from, you know, everything from like the small startup, like to say in the early, early days, right? All the way up until, you know, huge companies, right? So when you think about something like that and what you're doing at Accenture, like having the vantage point of seeing all of those different transitions and let's just say everything in between through the years, like what is like what type of leadership skills like like what does it take to operate well in these types of environments? That's a great question. And uh, while I spanned in the last two and a half decades um, within different types of companies, I've been fortunate to work with really good leaders and okay. also fortunate to uh, create a team, uh, multiple teams, in fact, in the last in the last two decades. So I'll, I'll basically focus on um, four main points that I learned out of my experience. The number one is culture and communication. It's Mm -hmm. very important to define a culture in your team, in the company, for for continuous growth within the teams. And and the culture is so critical because people like to communicate, but they also want to understand what culture you are proposing within the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you got to communicate. You got to listen to the issues. You have to invest in development. You have to invest in training of employees Mm -hmm. and your colleagues. You have to make sure you have growth tracks and recognize them and especially, uh, you know, um, your colleagues come from various geographies and different cultures. And at, at some point, I, I had teams in seven countries at the same time. 
So I have to learn how to adapt to those cultures and make sure yeah. I'm responsible and, and making sure the, the balance of the culture and how we can make the teams work mm-hmm. was critical. So that's where cultural and communication is a key to mm-hmm. um, get those teams. In. And then the other one is family values alongside professional values. So one thing I've mm-hmm. noticed, because I've handled teams more than 100, 200 people, and now I'm also handling teams, you know, smaller teams as well. Um, the common goal in, in the people, they have to, we have to have a decent balance between professional life and work life and, and family life. Because I can't advocate one over the other, because if one is better than the other, then somebody has to suffer. So yeah. I always advocate a, a decent balance between family values and, and, and professional values so that the balance is there. And the third one is accountability. Uh, once you have the team, you got to keep them accountable. You got to make sure that, you know, it's not the I did my part situation. It should be can we work together to make it happen? How could we collaborate? How could we help? So the whole uh, going back to the culture and then keeping them accountable. So it, does, it doesn't look like um, somebody is taking uh, on him or her to get it done. It has to be a team effort. And mm-hmm. that makes a big difference in working working in a, in a cohesive team environment. So those are a few things I've learned along the way while in the companies. It's interesting to me. And so the culture side of things, I want to stick on that a little bit longer because we're, you know, big, big culture people here at Mission Matters. And I've, I've just found that whether it's a small, you know, a small company or even a very large company, like that idea of culture and kind of starting there is one of the things that can, it's kind of some of that, it's like that magic or that glue or that thing that holds an, an, an organization together. What is culture really meant for you in your career? Because you've seen, you've seen multiple within your, um, you know, within your tenure. Yeah. So I think uh, it, it is high up there. It matters pretty much in the top three tiers. Um, and having a very open culture and a transparent culture within my team and not having a pyramid structure where, uh, you yeah. know, people never think before talking to their peers or their seniors or their yeah. or their other team members is, is vital. It's important. We have to be transparent. We have to be vocal. Uh, and we also have to be listening into everybody else around us. That has to be a very, very ingrained culture with everybody that you work with, because that's not there. Then somewhere or the other, we lose that connectivity track or lose that. We want to make sure that people grow. People are always vocal about what they want and what they're working on and how can they share what they learn. And I'm a big proponent of keeping our learning transparent as well. So you would see in bigger teams, some people are learning more than the others. And um, and that creates a good um, you know learning environment. But giving back is a pretty important part of our cultural uh, you know, stickiness so that when we learn something, we give it back to create our own copies per se with other people so we can grow together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done that for the last... Uh, you know, 10, 15 years. And I've seen that very, very effective in growing our team and getting them to stick together. Well, Mayank, um, first off, it has been awesome having you on the show. I'm thrilled to have you in the upcoming book. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you making time. Um, I just have to ask, what's next? I mean, what's next for you? What's next? I think you just came from, from a conference. Or you're going to a conference. I mean, I can't keep track of you. I just try to get you booked. I mean, what what's next? So, yes, so that's a good point. So we go to a bunch of conferences. Um, you know, one of the most important conferences we attend are Mobile World Congress and Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, which happens in January. And the next conference would be, um, you know, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, Spain in, in February of next year. And we also go for, go at other uh, industry events that that promote, um, you know, our, our practice. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, so that's, that's the next step in order for us to you know, uh, keep growing and keep talking to our our partners and uh, see how we can help them grow this ecosystem together. 
Fantastic. Um, again, awesome having you on the show. And uh, for our audience, if somebody wants to follow up and connect and follow your work, um, what's the best way for them to do that? I think LinkedIn would be the best to reach me and see the work that we do. And uh, you can always go to Accenture.com under the products and services tab and, and figure out what we do. Um, it'll be it'll be good to connect uh, in, in any vertical that uh, you would like us to connect on yeah. uh, and go from there. Fantastic. And uh, and we'll put all that information in the show notes so that our audience can just click on the links and head right on over and check out your profile. And uh, speaking of the audience, if this is your first time with Mission Matters or listening to an episode, we're all about bringing on entrepreneurs, executives and experts and having them share their mission, um, why they do what they do, how they're doing it, and really what do we all learn from that so that we can all move forward together and grow together. Um, if that's the type of content that sounds interesting or engaging or fun to you, hit that subscribe button because we have many more mission-based individuals coming up for you on the line and we don't want you to miss a thing. And my young, again, awesome having you on the show. Looking forward to bringing you back on once the book is live. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me today.